Hello there. Episode 447, and we're talking Yankees again. It's been a few since we discussed the Yankees on the show. I believe the last Yankees episode was a few weeks back, back when Anthony Rizzo signed. And in this episode, tonight, on December 9th, 2022, Merry Christmas, we will be discussing the returning, the return of Aaron Judge. He's back, that's right, we'll talk about it, episode 447, welcome to the show, let's get into it. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Timothy creates... And showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Hello, yes, we're back. Welcome to the show. Welcome to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. But we're in the offseason right now. Winter meetings just ended, and the Yankees just brought back Aaron Judge a few days ago. And that's what we're going to discuss. Aaron Judge, who just received a big-time contract, back with the Yankees for $360 million across the next nine years. You know, obviously one of the best, no, it's definitely the best bet-on-yourself season of all time in in possibly sports. Um, The dude had a tremendous 2022 regular season. He went out there. He competed for the Triple Crown. um, And he ended up only slugging 62 home runs to break the American League record set by Roger Maris. Break the Yankee record. I and, and you know what some consider the clean record. Um, all depending on where you stand. I know that's very controversial. I don't care. Um, 62 is 62. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal accomplishment. Um, just was, was the Yankees' entire team for so long. In that second half of the season. And, um, you know, he, yeah, he got it. He got it. Uh, Obviously, the playoffs are still on my mind. Um, He wasn't as great in the playoffs. He wasn't great in the playoffs. And we'll get to that. But he's back. And, um, and, you know, it didn't look great for a while there. Um, You had, jeez, you had John Heyman. Putting out the report um, a few nights ago saying that Aaron Judge was going to the Giants. 
Now, um, you know, then he walked, I'm sorry, Arson Judge, not Aaron Judge, to the Giants because he was clearly rushing the shit out of the tweet to be first, as reporters can so often do. So Arson Judge goes to the Giants, and then minutes later, Heyman puts out another tweet, walking it back. Now, I'm thinking, there's no, I mean, he didn't just put that out there for no reason. It, it, it I, I was thinking the worst possible scenario. Because on the K show, he was getting, I was watching the K show at the same time. And Michael was getting reports saying Giants players are expecting Aaron Judge. And K was saying his opinion was 40-60 that he returns to the Yankees. The Greco was saying 2080. Just the vibes were not great um, for Aaron Judge returning to the Yankees. You had these articles surfacing and these quotes about Judge's girlfriend and Judge saying he's always wanted to be a San Francisco giant. You know, it was it was nuts for a while. And my thought process was, again, Heyman didn't just put that out there for no reason. He wasn't guessing he, was, he wasn't being a troll. He's a reporter. I'm thinking Aaron Judge, at the time, I thought Aaron Judge had signed or not signed, but had agreed with the San Francisco Giants to a deal. And I guess Heyman got word of that, put it out there, but there was no official signing yet. I don't know. But I was, nonetheless, I was fully expecting, even with his second tweet minutes later, that judge was gone. I was starting to prepare for what a Yankees team without Aaron Judge would look like and what I would want and the different scenarios played out in my head and onto social media I went. Um, you know, this guy, that guy, the next guy, all that shit. And I do wonder what would the Yankees do if that was yeah, if that was to happen. Um, but I don't want to spend time doing that because he's back. Um, and maybe all along that like that was possibly a leak by Aaron's camp to kind of wake up the Yankees a little bit keep them on their toes and, and say hey this is what I want if you don't do it I'll be happy leaving um, and if that's the case it worked because Hal Steinbrenner man um, Hal put on his big boy pants and the very next morning, Judge becomes the Yankee. Nine years, $360 million, a $40 million average annual value. All of a sudden, he's a Yankee. And I loved hearing the whole story. That was pretty cool. Uh, besides the fact that Hal was in freaking Italy. Like, my guy, that looks so bad, dude. Um, but the whole rundown of it was cool. You know, Hal hears about the uh, the Giants from his yacht in Italy. Um, he picks up his phone. He dials Aaron Judge's number. Do you want to be a Yankee or not? Okay, cool. How much? Okay, cool. Do you want the extra year? Cool. We'll give you nine. Here you go. Boom. Done. He cut the shit. Got it done. That was that was how it ran down. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was very, um, you know, I'm going to say George-like. You know, you... you, you, you you could tell George was his father in that moment. <laughs> so yeah, I woke up in the morning. I um, 
I don't have any notifications on in the offseason. I keep my alerts off for the MLB because it's just bullshit news that I don't care about. But I get, I read a bunch of text messages. Everybody was texting me. Judge is back. And there you have it. So Judge is back with the Yankees. He's He's got a job. John Heyman probably shouldn't have a job. He's under some heavy scrutiny right now. Should probably be under heavy heavy security. Um, it was funny though, because because all the Yankees, um, like all the Yankee hate, all the haters got exposed and within just twelve hours. Like the Heyman tweet comes out, right? You have your internet virgins punching out memes and shit and saying, "LOL, the Yankees lost Aaron Judge," having a good time for a few hours. And then you get the Morosi tweet in the AM, and those same little minions now twisting the narrative to how could you pay Judge that much? Good luck with your flexibility in the future. All that, like, it was just so interesting and funny because I like the hate. I, I've admitted it. It was very funny seeing the Twitter minions expose themselves in real time. Um, just with the two different narratives that they were preparing to ride with either way. But, um, yeah, Aaron Judge with the Yankees. There was actually an offer. I don't think it was an official offer, but it was reported that San Diego had said, hey, uh, we'll give you $400 million over 10 years. So I must say, and I will take this back and admit that I am wrong, that Aaron Judge did not indeed go to the highest bidder. That was my thought process all along. I think the majority of athletes today like to go to the highest bidder. They want the money. Aaron Judge accepted less. Now, I'm not going to sit here and scream loyal, loyal, loyal because he took $40 million less, which at that point is pennies. But, yeah, he, he, you know, he did have something in his mind that wanted to remain a Yankee, right? Um, and, again, the credit is, is to Hal. Um, and the Pope, of course, who met with Hal days before. But credit's not going to Cashman, I'll tell you that. Cashman, complete joke. I mean, that moron had no idea where anybody was, didn't even know it was in San Diego. Like, if it wasn't for Hal, Judge is in San Francisco right now. Um, I, I am so sick of Cashman, too, and a lot of people are. Yankees fans hate him. They've turned on him. Even the ones who loved him don't really like him anymore. And I honestly don't think many players are too fond of Cashman either. Like, Judge, you can tell Judge isn't too fond of him. I mean, the whole thing with the contract leak clearly pissed him off. Um, but more guys are starting to you know, say some things over the years, last couple years, that tell you. You know, Jeter hates the guy. A-Rod has been very vocal about him, uh, about you know, the Cashman how he disagrees with a lot of his ways and stuff. It's become more loud over the years who Cashman truly is. Um, I'm so ready to move on from him, but unfortunately Cashman uh, is family with the Steinbrenners, basically, and he's now stuck here for four more years, just like a presidency. (laughs) But how great was that, too? The the day that Trey Turner signs, not 15 seconds later, the Yankees, um, we get a tweet by... Reporters saying the Yankees are bringing back Brian Cashman. So, not that Hal is like this this lord. Now, Hal, Hal probably couldn't give two shits about winning. You know, this we're talking about a businessman. 
plain and simple. Um, you know, if Hal was a Yankees fan, he'd be one of those corporate dopes sitting behind home plate in a suit and tie with a beer in his cup holder and his iPhone in both his hands. Right? Like, he, he's smart. He knows that bringing back Aaron Judge is going to reel in the dough. The chicken buckets are going up 10 bucks. I'll tell you that. The money he's going to make off of ticket sales, concessions, selling jerseys. I'm sure Judge's Chambers, they've got their own merch. Like, he's... Yes, Network's ratings. He's smart. He knows. It was a business move more than it was a baseball move for Hal. Um, Though I do wonder if they will hold the presser soon and make the announcement that Judge is going to be captain. A lot of people want that. Uh, I don't really care too much about that. He could be one. He could not be one. I'm not going to lose my mind over it, but we'll see where that goes. Um, But the big question is what is next? And I want to talk about that with you as soon as we get back from break. We're going to head to a real quick break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few seconds. Hey, guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often, and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, RJ. And you're listening to episode 447 of the podcast. Um, What is next? You know, I, one thing I don't want is for the Yankees to use this as an excuse to limit their payroll. Because you've got the resources. You know, don't bullshit us. You are a $7 billion corporation. Use that money. And is this a, a bad contract that they gave Judge? It very well could be. But again, when you're trying to win a chip, you take those risks. And when you're this loaded, you take those risks. Um, It's definitely an overpay. You know, he's the top AAV position player of all time now. And I believe he's got the third most total earnings behind Trout and Betts. But, you know, I get it. All that stuff. You know, right now you're paying more for the same exact team at the moment. Um, In five years or so, so Judge is going to be 31 next year, right? So in five years, give or take, as I spit, um, he'll probably become a DH. He'll play less games. He might start getting hurt more. But with this contract, you are banking on the front end of it to get the bang for your buck, right? At the end of the day, All it takes for this contract to become a success is a championship. It's as simple as that, people. Just like Alex Rodriguez, his contract became a success when? In 2009. And we had to live with everything after and deal with it. But at the end of the day, I'm looking back at A-Rod's contract and I'm saying, yes, it was a success because they won a championship with him and he had a big part of it so we're going to be doing the same thing with Aaron Judge we're going to have to hope that sometime in the next nine years the Yankees can win another damn championship 
And it's on Judge, man. It's on him because we've spoken plenty times about it. Why we're not the biggest fans of the show here of Aaron Judge. I didn't say I'm not a fan. I said I'm not his biggest fan. Um, Because at some point, sooner rather than later, Aaron Judge is going to have to nut up and become a man in the one month that truly matters in the end. Right? We can't have him going 1 for 16 in the ALCS next season. He can't continue to strike out in over a third of his strike his postseason at bats or plate appearances. You can't continue to bat two eleven lifetime in the playoffs, man. Like he's had some moments. His first the first three years of his career, Judge had Judge was fine in the playoffs. I didn't have a big problem. He struck out a ton still, but he had some moments. You know, he had some power. But really, since 2020. He has vanished when it matters most. He's not done much at all in the postseason. So at the end of the day, as great as it was, as fun as it was, I do not care about the 62 home runs. Like, I guarantee you right now, I am guaranteeing you, I, I, I'm telling you, man, I guarantee that there are Yankees fans out there who would rather see Judge slug 72 home runs next year and not hitting the playoffs than to see him have a decent regular season and a great playoffs. I guarantee you there are people like that out there. And that's the problem with this, I'm going to sound like an old man here, this cupcake, snowflake, trophy generation of baseball fans now. You know, these are all judge fans who are probably crying with tears and shaking, literally shaking, when they saw the Heyman tweet. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. If you have nothing relating to the postseason to add to my baseball conversation, then I am not communicating with you. Playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Say it with me. So he's going to have to. He is going to have to step it up in the postseason. That's a guarantee. That is an absolute guarantee. All right, so uh, where were we? What is next? What is next? Um, you know, Verlander and DeGrom are gone, but I never wanted those two anyway. I, I could care less about them. Um, but Trey Turner is gone. Xander Bogarts is gone. Masataka Yoshida is gone. And the pathetic part about that is none of us, not one of us are remotely surprised. Like, we're all so conditioned by now to the Yankees being so hell-bent on staying under a certain tax threshold. It doesn't even, like, shock us that we don't have any of those guys. In the past, that's big-time news, you know? But this new Yankees regime, as we know, does not have that win-at-all-costs fire anymore. You know? Um, I I think left field now is one of the spots to go. It comes down to, at best, uh, trading for Brian Reynolds or signing an Andrew Benintendi. Is it me or am I just the only one who's not very high on Brian Reynolds? Like, he's good, right? But it's almost like people just reset their minds 
a week after October every year. It's insane. Like, the sole reason that the Yankees keep losing in the postseason is because they do not have enough guys who can hit and make consistent contact. Now, Brian Reynolds has flashed that potential, yes. His rookie season in 2019, he batted 314. And yes, Geeks, he had 37 doubles, 16 bombs, 4 triples, and an 880 OPS. His sophomore season, in the, in the fake COVID year, he was an atrocious 189 hitter across 55 of the 60 games. In 2021, he became elite again, batting 302 with a 912 OPS, 24 home runs, 35 doubles, and 8 triples. But then last year, he took a step back. He batted 262 with an 807 OPS, 27 home runs, 4 triples, and 19 doubles. Not bad at all, still very decent, and an upgrade over Gallo and Hicks for sure. But is that what we're going for? He strikes out a lot more than I like. Um, 22% K rate as a rookie, 27% K rate as, as a sophomore. Uh, 18% the next season, nice. But last year, 23% K rate. Not a ton of strikeouts, but for a team who has consistently whiffed in the playoffs each year, I would prefer someone like Benintendi where I know he's known for his pure contact skills. And I know, I know I, I just upset the nerds again. Power, power, power. You guys are irrelevant. You're being proven wrong every year. And somehow have become more stubborn every year. More stubborn than the old man crowd. You really have. Um, I, I think Andrew Benintendi is the more consistent option. He strikes out less. 18% K rate in his career. Versus 22% for Reynolds. Um, I, I just feel like he's more of a guarantee. As the more seasoned player. He's been in the league a lot longer. He's got postseason experience. He's, he's a World Series champion. And he's been a productive postseason hitter. Where Reynolds is inexperienced there. I'd just rather Benintendi. Even if his market value is pretty high, which I've heard it's pretty high, I say fuck it, and you pay him. Again, don't get me wrong, I would take Reynolds. I think his upside is higher, but the floor is higher with Benintendi. He's more consistent. I feel like getting Benintendi, you know... You're going to get somebody who hits around 280 and you know, could flirt with an OPS anywhere in the 750s to 800. Like that's, it seems like it's a guarantee he's got to do that at worst. Um, so I prefer Benintendi in left field. Um, I wouldn't throw shit and complain if it became Reynolds. Um, just it'd be interesting to see who they move. Is Glaber going to be a part of that? But I prefer Benintendi. Uh, on the mound, signing Carlos Rodon helps too. Definitely helps. Um, he also wants a uh, fuck ton of money. I I heard six years at 180, which is absurd. Um, but again, fuck it. You figure out a way. If you can figure out a way to get him for less, that'd be great. But Rodon, I, I think you need. Um, he's found something the last two years, clearly. He's been an, all-star, an all-star both times. Uh, he's put up some productive numbers. The metrics like him. 
I think Matt Blake, if he comes back, and I think he's expected to, can get some good out of him. Um, by the way, Tommy Canely's back. <laughs> uh, now, the scary thing with Rodon, the injury thing, uh, is it his shoulder? Uh, he lost some velocity a couple years ago. It was back last year. But it still scares you a bit. He's going to be 30 years old. Um, and his resume is not great when you go beyond the last two seasons. Like the previous seasons from 2015 to 2020, not a great career. Uh, but I'd still, again, I'd still do it. Um, we just, we need to make this clear. Because for some reason, again, it is not getting to people's heads enough. That this Yankees team doesn't go home every October because of their starting rotation. Because of their pitching. And if you need a reminder, this past postseason, in order, the Yankees allowed from Game 1 of Cleveland to all the way to Game 4 of the ALCS against Houston. One run allowed. Four runs allowed. Six runs. Two runs. One run. Four runs three runs, five runs, six runs. That is an average of 3.5 runs allowed per game in the postseason for the Yankee pitching staff. Very, very good. The offense this past postseason, from game one of the DS to game four of the CS, four runs, two runs, five runs, four runs, five runs, two runs, Two runs, zero runs, five runs. That is an average of three runs per game last postseason. Very mediocre. Especially for a team that spends $250 million on their roster every year. And a good portion of that $250 million going to the position players. The lineup. That's not enough. That's not enough offensive production, simply put. And why do they score such little runs? Because they swing and miss a lot. And they rely too much on the three true outcome philosophy. Their whole mindset is, well, we didn't score enough home runs because we didn't hit enough. We didn't score enough runs because we didn't hit enough home runs. And that same philosophy is the reason they're going home every year. Maybe shift your focus to getting enough hits. So when you hit home runs, they're not always solo home runs. Or, here's an idea. Clutch up and stop trying to hit home runs in the big important moments and just try to put the bat on the ball. Because they're such a poor situational hitting team. Those are all reasons as to why they've been scoring little runs. So, so you know, bottom line... Their starting rotation staff, while yes, it could definitely use some upgrades, um, you know, you don't know what some certain guys can Cortez repeat it again. Is Seve going to stay healthy this time? You know, I get it. Um, I, I think Rodon is great, but I'm not going to sit here acting like one of those pitching, pitching, pitching losers, as if the lineup isn't the reason that we're consistently going home every year. Um, and I'm not like like how how much can we fix our lineup here? You know, I think we need to trade Glaber, by the way. See ya. Out. Gone. Done. I'm done with him. Um, I really need the Yankees to go hard for Luis Arias here. I, I think that kid, I, I think he's perfect for them. 
Um, I think he's like a mini Altuve. He's young. Uh, the Twins aren't going anywhere. Correa's leaving. The Yankees are going somewhere. They're a contender, at least. Now, unfortunately, a report came out today saying that Minnesota wants young arms in return. And I'm sitting here just fuming because Cashman wasted his blue-chip pitching prospects on Frankie Montas. And if they use their those same prospects plus more on Castillo, fine. I would have been fine with that. But the fact that they got rid of all three of their top-notch pitching prospects for a mid-tier guy, and now they can't use those guys on future deals like a potential Arias deal here, that's maddening. You know? Um, I don't know. Maybe you sign Rodon and you try flipping him. But if you do that, you obviously have to package him with like Torres, Peraza, and maybe Schmidt or somebody because they aren't just going to trade for a guy when they could just sign him. Uh, but they want young arms, apparently. Anyways, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I, I still don't love this team. Like, think about it. Very best case scenario here this offseason. In my opinion, I feel like the realistic scenario, the very best realistic scenario here is the Yankees go and grab one of Benintendi or Reynolds for left field and then they sign Rodon. Like that I feel like is is the most they're going to do. Is that enough to you people? Do we really think that's enough? Seriously, do we think that's going to move the needle? The Astros just won a World Series and they went and got Jose Abreu. The Phillies just made a World Series and they went and got Trey Turner. The Yankees are still, they're still operating very conservatively to me. Like, I'm not on this whole hurrah, hurrah, we got Aaron Judge train because I still need to see a lot more happen, and I do not think that it will. Um, I know the report with Kay just came out a few minutes ago that the Yankees are planning on doing something big, and Brian Hoke is saying that Correa might be on their radar. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Um... But, yeah, I think we need to, like, as I said, smack in the middle of their damn season in June, July. I said this. They need a complete overhaul at the end of the year. And I don't feel like that's coming. That means in a perfect world where the Yankees nut up and they don't give a damn what everyone else thinks and they only want to win and they make every move with their mindset on winning, that means Torres is gone, IKF is traded, Donaldson's gone, Hicks is gone, you grab an arm, you sign a left fielder, you bring in Arias, you bring in Correa to shake it up, get dirty, get controversial, you do all that. That's what a perfect world Yankees team would look like. Like, if they were to do that, that right there would get me legitimately excited for the upcoming season in March. But right now, it just kind of looks like Rodon and maybe one of those left fielders. And that's simply not enough. That's simply just marginal improvement. That would be doing the bare minimum. Bringing back Judge, bringing back Rizzo, and getting a few Band-Aids. That's not enough. We were taken to five games at home by the Cleveland Guardians and then swept by the Houston Astros. That's not enough to respond to that. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Going to head to break. We'll get back and wrap this up with the parlay and question of the day. Be right back. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, 
but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to bd4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to bd4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. You know, I swear some of these uh, some of these writers just put out headlines just to piss off the old man crowd. <laughs> like I just saw an article headline that said um, Gary Sanchez and his camp blamed the Yankees for the emotional baggage that he had to deal with in his tenure here. <laughs> I almost got pissed off at it, but I was considering showing my dad just to see him flip out and wave his fist. Um, hey, let's finish it off. Let's get to our parlay for the night. And then we'll wrap it up with a trivia after that. All right, welcome. To RJ's parlay, where my degenerate self breaks down tonight's big parlay. If I miss, it's not surprising. If I hit, I'll probably lose it all tomorrow night. Because that's how this works. Welcome to RJ's parlay. So on tonight's parlay, we have a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 pick parlay. That comes out to plus 205 odds. It's on the Knicks game, which starts in about 2 hours from now little less. We've got the Knicks covering the alternate plus seven and a half spread against the Charlotte Hornets. We've got the over, the alternate over under selected over 214 and a half. Um, I've got Randall for at least 30 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Barrett for at least 20 of that. I've got Brunson the over on four and a half assists. And I've got Mitch Robinson. Uh, Mitch Robinson to get at least one block. All that, once again, comes out to plus 205 on the line. So hopefully we hit this one. This looks pretty good. Um, It could simply take a bad night from Randall or Barrett, you know, or Brunson for that matter as the point guard, but we'll see. 
Uh, or the Knicks, maybe they don't cover the seven and a half, but the Hornets are pretty bad. The Knicks, I've been playing better recently. We'll see. So that's our parlay, and let's wrap it up for once, uh, once and for all, with the um, the trivia. Let's get to it. All right, so we usually don't do um, opinionated trivia questions because that's not a trivia. But um, you know, every once in a while we'll mix it up. It's like this might be like the third time when this doesn't have a right or wrong answer. But I'm curious. I'm just curious to see who thinks what. Um, so for episode 447, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day is: In your opinion, what would make Aaron Judge's nine-year contract? become a success. All right, so in my opinion, I'm going to say if again, if the Yankees get at least one, preferably two World Series championships out of it, then I'm okay. You know, I'm going to have to live with the bitching and moaning and and just deal with it in the in the uh, back end of the contract. You know, if it's if it's not great, going to have to live with it because he would have gotten them a ring, hopefully. So, in your opinion, what would make Aaron Judge's nine-year contract become a success? What's your way of looking at it? In my opinion, there should only be one way of looking at it, and that's winning a championship. But let me know what you think. Guys, that's it. I appreciate you stopping by. Episode 447 in the books. The Yanks bring back Aaron Judge. What is next? We will see. Hopefully it's Correa. Uh, Dansby Swanson. I got to look him up. I don't know much about him. But he's another shortstop option available right now. We will find out. The Padres don't give a damn. Good for them. Because, you know, they're moving everybody they need to, man. They're spending all the money in the world. The Yankees, you know, they like to prospect hug. And they better hope, man, the Yankees better hope that these kids pan out. These kids better pan out. Volpe, Peraza, they better pan out. Because we've seen it before. The Yankees hold on to these kids. They hype them up from the age of 16 like they did with Gary, like they're doing with Dominguez. And they get here and they either flop right away or a lot of them start out looking pretty promising. They have a few good years, but then they slowly start regressing. And by their fourth year, third year, they're dead weights and they have no trade value left. How many times have we seen that? We saw that with Miguel Andujar. We're seeing that with Glaber Torres. He did have a bounce back, but he's not as good as he was hyped up to be and as he was thought to be when he first came here. We're seeing that. Um, we saw it with Gary Glaber, Clint Frazier, Andujar, Severino. He's been hurt every year. You know, it's it's either underachieving, it's injuries, it's something. Greg Bird started well flopped. A lot of these guys show you promise at the start, but they never sustain it. So, I, you know, Peraza looked pretty promising at the end of last year. Hopefully this is sustainable. We gotta see. We've gotta see something. It'd be nice to get some production right away and, and um, you know, one of these guys could really give a jolt. Like if Volpe came, 
And I, he honestly, if we don't get a shortstop in the market this offseason, Volpe should be there opening day. I don't want to hear I did, none of the bullshit. Like, he should be the starting shortstop where he should be at second. Like, he needs to be in the everyday lineup next year. Now, cut the shit, the, 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 the service time manipulation. He should be there right the hell away. Cut the shit and just get to it. Every other organization plays their kids right away. Like, oh, I don't want to get into this. I'm ranting already. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next one. <laughs> I'll see you later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.